excited for this last message of the series. Uh, believe it or not, next Sunday, next, next Friday is December 1st. What does December remind you of? Christmas? No. Birth of Christ? Um, at least, at least December 25th is the day that we celebrate when Jesus is born. Uh, and I, I, I love the Christ, Christmas season. I, I do, I really do. Um, if you want to have some Christmas music, go just go to the grocery store. They're playing it now. Uh, most of the workers are like, uh, I, I don't mind it. It's just more relaxing than anything. Kind of makes you work a little slower. <laughs> but, um, this, this letter that we're going to talk about today is, I think, the most famous one of all. In fact, it's my favorite one. It's fascinating how much Jesus knows about a culture. Jesus knows about a city because the city of Laodicea, how many of us have ever heard of the, the church of Laodicea in, uh, it's mentioned a few times. Actually, it's, it's mentioned in Colossians. Paul talks about the Laodiceans and actually we do have a letter. They, they, there's a letter in history of Paul to the church of Laodicea. So it does have some history. We don't have in the Bible, so don't look for it. Um, I would be fascinated to see what he had to t- say about it. Um, but we've talked about the seven letters to the seven churches of this Asia Minor or modern day Turkey. That's kind of appropriate for this week. Um, but, uh, I had to, I'm sorry. But we're on Laodicea and it's the southernmost tip of that land right there. And it is, when you read the book, when you read the letter to Laodicea, it is easy to think that Jesus is a, giving them a slap on the wrist or a punch in the face or a kick while they're down. But what he's doing is he's reaching out to this church who isn't so far gone that there is too late. And they're not on fire for God where everybody's impressed like, wow, you're doing really good. They're just kind of blasé like, eh, whatever. How many of us have ever been apathetic about anything? Right now, when it comes to um, the Seahawks, I'm kind of I am really like, eh, whatever. Like Thanksgiving, they played. We were at Shirley's, Lydia's mom's house, and, uh, and they were playing, they played later on. We went home and I checked the score and they were losing. I said, I don't even want to watch it. That's, I'm a hardcore Seahawk fan, but I'm more of an apathetic one, which is kind of, if you think about it, anything that you're passionate about, when you start losing the passion, when you start losing the fire for whatever you're passionate about, it's kind of sad. Whatever the case may be, it could be your marriage, it could be uh, your, your finances, it could be your job, it could be the church, it could be uh, whatever, it could be, and worst of all, it could be your relationship with Jesus where you're kind of like, eh, whatever. And so that's the danger about this letter here, about this church in Laodicea, is um, they were on the inside of the church where Jesus was on the outside, but I love the fact, and you're going to recognize chapter uh, 3, verse 20. It's a very famous where he's standing at the door knocking. You ever heard that one? I want you to remember, we use that one all the time for people who are far from God. And it's appropriate. It is. You could say, hey, Jesus, stand at the door of your heart. Give your lives to Christ. But remember, he's saying that to a church. He's saying that to believers. He's saying that to Christians who have just kind of went, eh, whatever. And so for some of us watching online or you're here live, good for you, you know, good for you online, but he's standing at the door of some of our hearts knocking on the outside. And I love, I love the painting. I don't have it on here, but where it shows Jesus knocking on the door and the, and the painting is very famous that there's no door knob on the outside because it has to be us going, yes, we want this. We want this, Jesus. We need you. And so what we're talking about today, we're talking about this, the series, the message title is Lord Light the Fire Again. The song that we sang earlier, I told her to play it, even though it is a weird song. It kind of has a weird feeling to it because here I come naked and poor, wretched and blind. I come. Well, I feel really good about myself when I say that kind of thing, Lord, Lord. But I mean, even Amazing Grace it even has kind of a negative tendency to have a little focus on my negativity, but it talks about God's goodness and the fact that his goodness comes upon me, even though in all reality, without God, Paul says, there's no, not one, not one that's good. No one. Well, thank you, Paul. I really need that encouragement. Here, have me, here, pat me on the back even some more, or give me a sucker punch right after I ate a bunch of Thanksgiving turkey, boom, right there and make me sick. Well, Jesus is very serious about this. And what we did, we talked about 
six letters, and we talked about Ephesus, returning your first love. If you need a little bit more detail, here's a little shameless plug. If you, if you believe in the internet, you don't, don't worry about it. If you don't know what YouTube is, it's a thing that was invented a long time ago in 2006. You can watch videos and sermons and, um, and you can go to my YouTube page and I do record every single one, uh, for my critique that I critique and also for people who can't make it. That kind of thing. Return to your first love. We talked about the church in Smyrna, which was remember God's faithfulness. And then Pergamum, which I love that sound of that name, refused to compromise. That one, you're going to want to watch all of them, but this one is very familiar with our culture that we live in. In a culture where the church, capital C, it's so easy to kind of go sway with the culture and just make the culture happy. Don't, don't, don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. And then Thyatira, resist the enemy because the enemy wants to take you down, wants to take your marriage down, wants to take your health down, wants to take the church down. He wants to do that and he can't control you like a puppet. He's not going to do that, right? Like that movie where the it's gross, but the girl's head turns around and she throws up and, and there's like a, you know, let the, the demon comes out. That, that's, that's, that's not what happens in the church. What happens though is he bugs you. He, he wants to lead you, he wants to lead you away from what God wants to do. And that's what he did in that church. Sardis is a very important letter. It's waking the dead church. So if Laodicea is the middle of the road church, Sardis is the dead church. They're completely cold for God. Now, I'm going to say right now that I think that Jesus, and I'll prove it in a, in a moment, but he'd rather have the church dead than to have the middle of the road, okay? He'd rather have you hot or cold, not lukewarm. That's right in the letter. Then last week was a little bit different. Philadelphia, it's receiving the key. That's the key that Jesus opens doors for you. He locks doors of the past to you and then receive your new name. Jesus loves to change your name, not to what you used to be, but how he sees you. So that would be an important kind of conversation to have between you and yourself and God. Who does God see you as? When I look at myself, I see a lot of flaws. I see how many of us are really good at pointing out your own flaws or pointing out other people's flaws. Don't do that. They already know their flaws. Okay. We're, humanity is so good at looking at our own flaws and it's good only if you can learn from it and move on from it. But Jesus says, you're not who you used to be. You are who I say you are. So now we're in the last letter, I would say it's a beautiful one to wrap it all up in a nice little bow because it's the most famous, it's got the most famous verse of all, uh, one of the most famous verses. One of the first verses I ever heard as a Christian was Revelation 3.20. It was definitely my very first um, memory verse. Anybody had any memory verses when you were first a Christian and they gave you a bunch of list of verses to memorize? And we would go through small groups and discipleship classes, and they would test you and quiz you. And Lydia, I remember this when we were in college, we'd go in that in our friend's house, and we would go to, we'd kind of practice on each other, and then we'd go in front of everybody, and it was, it was awesome. One of them was Revelation 3.20. I could prove it by going, if I wanted to, go in my office, and I still have the book. And uh, receive, we're going to talk about the, the next one is the Church of Laodicea. It's the lukewarm church. Again, more dangerous than being a dead church. Because the lukewarm church pretends to be someone they're not really. Okay? And it says, Lord, light the fire again. I, 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 I changed the name. It was, I first said restart your relationship. So it could be that. But even more than that, even more than restart the relationship, Lord, light the fire that I once had in my life. So that's why I chose that song, even though it has this, you almost have this negative connotation with this song like wretched and blind and poor. Wow, that's really worshipful, not nice. But I needed to have that because that song, the words of that, the, of that chorus are, are the words to Revelation chapter three, this letter. It's guaranteed in there. Jesus says, Lord, light the fire again in your heart. Because there were times in my life where I was on fire for God. I've said this a lot in the series. I felt like when I was first a Christian at 16 years old, I was going to win the whole school to the Lord. Now, I had 2,000 people in our school, so that was going to be hard to do. Unless I was the Apostle Peter mixed with the Holy Spirit, it probably wasn't going to happen. But over time, the flame started to die out. And if you're camping, the only thing good about those coals or having 
the, the s'mores that you make. But after a while, that dies out. And then what good is it? Nothing. The fire is good for nothing. So you got to stoke the fire. You got to put, you could have put air and you got to breathe life into the fire. And that's what we're praying. God, light the fire in me again. Revelation chapter three, verse 14 and, and, and following. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, which is literally, it means to actually truth. I agree. This is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Okay, it's not just so be it. It's, I agree with it. It is the truth. Jesus is the amen. He's the faithful and true witness. Jesus is the beginning of God's new creation. Verse 15. I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. I thought about any kind of relationship. Either, let's say, a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, a friendship. Think about any relationship for just a minute where one person's trying to give their all and the other person's like, eh. You'd rather have them just walk away from the relationship. Don't fake it. Don't fake like everything's okay. If our marriage, if me and Lydia's marriage, if one of us or both of us were kind of like, eh, whatever, I'm not, I don't really care about growing in our relationship. I don't really care about showing you I love you. There's, there's a problem there. Okay. And that's why it's dangerous to be middle of the road as a believer in God. He'd rather have you walk away. Now that would hurt his, that would hurt his heart forever because Jesus came to die for anybody. He doesn't want anyone to perish, right? The Bible says that. That's his heart. But he says, I would rather have you walk away from the relationship than to fake it, than to go through fake. Don't raise your hand for this because maybe it's you or maybe someone you know. How many of us know Christians in your past who were phony? We all have. And maybe it was us. Maybe we were just going through the motions. I want to be honest right now. There have been times and seasons of my Christian walk with God where I kind of went through the motions with God. As a pastor, and even as Christians, it happens for all of us, we're kind of under a microscope. People are waiting for us to just mess up. And pastors, they're waiting for pastors to mess up because pastors mess up all the time. And when you mess that up, you're done. Right? They, they, you, you have stories all the time of, of, of like the pastor who uh, has an affair or squanders the money or steals the money. Or I have people all the time joking about that to me. And I'm like, I don't like that because don't even sow that seed. Don't even sow that seed in my, in my life because I want to stay pure before God, not as a pastor, but as a follower of Christ. And so Jesus would rather have us walk away from him because at least we're not faking it. Verse 16. But since you are like lukewarm water, now you're going to be amazed about how uh, specific he is being to this city. Did you know that the Laodicea, the city of Laodicea was known as the city with lukewarm water? True story. You can look it up. Okay. We'll, we'll say that in a minute. It, by, if you don't care about Bible study, you're going to go, Oh, whatever. But if you, if you like little things lining up perfectly for what Jesus is saying here, you're going to love it. So just hold on to your seats for a little. But since you like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now that New Living Translation and the NIV and that kind of stuff, um, it's very PG, okay? The real word is vomit, okay? If you translate the Greek word for spit or the Greek word, it's literally vomit. That when Jesus sees this church, who he loves, by the way, this letter, is, a, is a, he's reaching out to them. He's knocking on the door. And he's saying, please, open up the door, and I'm going to have a relationship with you. I'm going to have a meal with you. Because, but since you're not doing that right now, you make me want to vomit. You make me sick. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but I'm guessing that none of us want to make Jesus sick. When he looks at your life, when he looks at your relationship with him, do you want to make him vomit? No, of course not. We all desire that relationship where he says, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I can't wait to be able to go into his presence 
And I really believe in my whole, 100% of my heart that when he sees us, if we're in Christ, he's going to have a huge smile on his face because we're going to see him face to face. I don't want to see him be sick. Okay? Now, some of us, we're going to be listening to this and we're going to get a little nervous. Like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Listen, these people were going through the motions. Were they saved or not? Well, according to this, he was on the outside of the church. But I'm not going to say one way or the other. They're not atheists. Okay? Verse 17. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. In fact, I don't even need God, they would say. But you don't realize that you're wretched. Here's the words that come from that song. To the, they go to that song. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You are going to, I, I, I feel like people are going to be excited about this because he uses three words, poor, blind, and naked for very specific purposes because of the people of Laodicea. When you study the history of the city of Laodicea, you, you, it's fascinating. That city is fascinating. You can go there today. There's evidence that there, there's all this sorts of different pipes of water, hot water pipes and cold water pipes and pools that were, that were made. Uh, and we'll tell that in just a reason why they had all these pipes piped into their city. It's, it's fascinating because the city of Laodicea was known for three things. And we'll get to that. But the fact is they had all this stuff to brag about. We have this which I'm not going to give you a spoiler. You're going to, you're going to have to listen, okay? Um, you have to wait, okay? That you, you, you're known for this, and then you're known for this, but you don't even know that be, just because you have this, you're still poor, you're still blind, and you're still naked, even though you have, you're known for this, and you have that and that, because everybody bragged, including the people in the church. Our city has everything that you possibly needed, but you don't even know that you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked, Verse 18, so I advise you, here's the answer. If you're poor in Christ, you're blind in Christ, you're naked in Christ, if you have nothing in Christ, here's the answer. And we'll talk about this because it's easy to go, how do we even buy anything from God? The, one, the God who has everything. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that's been purified by fire, then you'll be rich. See, they were rich financially, but they were poor and broke and in poverty in their spirit, in their heart. They were broke. They were poverty. You can go to your grave rich. In fact, I've done many funerals. I've done a funeral where the casket was like very cheaply made. It, it, it's, you know, it's going to collapse at some point. You know, it's not really that good. They couldn't afford it. Then I've seen some extreme, beautiful, caskets. You ever seen those? I mean, gold, beautiful. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that, but they're very expensive. The fact is when I die, don't put me in a huge, you know, $10,000 casket because I'm not going to care. I'm not going to be really, be there. I'm not going to enjoy it. And you're going to enjoy it for like two hours and then you'll never enjoy it again. Right? So that's not, that's not preaching against ornate stuff, but you know, these people were rich in things that did not matter. But they were homeless. They were broke. They had no gold when it came to the things that really matter. They were broke. And when they come to God, they could come to God with their gold bars. They can come with them with their eye ointment. They can come with them with their fancy clothing. But he goes, this, does, this doesn't do anything. You need to, you need, you're, you're wretched, you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. He goes, buy gold from me. Then you're going to be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you'll not be ashamed by your nakedness. And buy ointment for your eyes or eye salve so that you'll be able to see. So the answer is, stop, we need to stop focusing on what doesn't matter. We've said that a lot in this whole series, but we need to stop keeping our eyes fixed on things that fade, that we could be buried with it when we're dead and gone. The fact is, we need to focus on the things that really matter. The things, and he's talking about gold, things that actually matter. We need to talk about white garments, purity. 
where we walk in front of God, we can run up to him arm in arm and he will embrace us and we don't have to be ashamed. I mean, ever have that dream when you're a kid? You're going to school naked? I, it's a horrible dream. But imagine you have nothing, you have all your crud, all your sin, all your stuff showing, like you have your sin showing to God and you want to run up to him, but the sin's in front of you and you're like, you're ashamed. You want to hide from him like Adam in the garden. The fact is, if you're in Christ, if you buy gold and you buy white garments and Lord, help us so I can see, I want your, your ointment, your eye salve, so I'm able to see you. You don't have to be ashamed to run to him. You can go right to him because he provides it for you. Now, verse 19. And this is, this is huge. This proves that he's not mad at them. He loves them. He goes, I correct and I discipline everyone I love. Do you guys like being corrected? Do you like being disciplined? When I was a kid, I didn't like that. Or when I was in school, I didn't like to be corrected. When I was in college, I preached a sermon. And my professor was my main professor. I loved, he just passed away on Thanksgiving. And I heard that, I saw on Facebook. He, his name was Mike Thompson. And uh, I preached a sermon. I was all excited. And uh, the whole class is like, got to be able to say anything about your sermon. It was your final. And I was waiting for Mike Thompson. He goes, you're almost to the point that you're almost good. I was like, oh, right? But I needed that. I needed to hear. I needed to hear something that, you know what? Because I could have pretended that I was doing great. Like, oh, this is great. I, I don't need to correct anything. That wouldn't have helped me one bit. In other classes, they recorded me preaching. And they said, well, you did this, this, and this. You can't prove it. He goes, let's go to the tape. And he did that. My other professor, Dr. Braddy, Dr. Braddy, he, he actually pushed play after I was like, I don't think I did that. I did exactly what he said. Okay. Now I needed to see that when I was in, when I was in, um, when I was a youth pastor, my pastor, Pastor Tom Clifton, he, uh, on Wednesday nights, he had other people teaching classes and doing things. So he was able to observe me in youth group. Scary. This is the guy who led me to the Lord, but he's always in the back. And I'm like, and then we'd have a little, the next day I'd go to the office and we'd have a little discussion about how I did. The reason why he did that, not because he hated me, he loved me, he still does. He did it so that I could learn. He did it so I can grow. And I thank God, I didn't like it at the time. I hated it. I was like, are you kidding me? He didn't like that? But he was, I look back at those times, I'm like, he was right. They were, it was bad. It was horrible. Horrible. What was I thinking? Right? But this is, okay, that's humans, but God, he corrects you and he disciplines, but he does it for everyone I love. If he didn't love you, he would ignore it. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't give you a second chance or a 200th chance. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't stand up inside the door and knock. He would walk away. He'd walk away from your house, but he's still outside in the cold because it's cold outside. And he's still knocking on the door. He goes, so be diligent and turn away from your what? Indifference. The real word is apathy. We could talk about lukewarmness. That's really what it is. It's indifference. It's apathy. It's eh, whatever. So if Laodicea had, the church in Laodicea had a sin, here's their sin, the sin of apathy, the sin of indifference, the sin of who cares? Who cares? I just want to get to heaven barely. I don't care if I get there barely. It's kind of like when I was a student. I didn't care if I got a D. Because a D, you got the same piece of paper after you graduated if you got straight A's. The only difference is I didn't get any scholarships for college. I had to work my tail off for college. And it took me like close to 20 years to pay it off. Okay? Not quite, but close. But the reality is we kind of act like that with God. Some people do. And as long as I get to heaven, who really cares? Does God deserve more than that? I'm asking that to myself. Of course he does. Verse 20, the most, one of the most famous verses of all the Bible. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'm going to come in and we'll share a meal together. 
as friends. That's the God that we serve. I chose this translation. I memorized the NIV. Look, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The reality is, he wants to share a meal with friends. This is a God who loves. I don't want to sit down with my enemy and have a meal with him. I mean, let me just be raw with you for a minute. When I was a kid and I got bullied and I got beat up, do you think, do you think that I would want to sit down and have lunch with him? Of course not. But my friend Nathan, we loved each, not love, it's a weird, but we loved each other because we love baseball, we love sports, we love video games, we love jumping on a trampoline, we loved all, we, 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 we went, you know, there was an abandoned house in our neighborhood that we broke into. Don't do this. But we were, you know, we, we got to look around. We did all that kind of stuff. Do you think I wanted to sit down and have dinner with him? Every night I wanted to. I was like, hey, go tell your dad if we can have dinner. And we'd, me and my brother would sit outside and all of a sudden he goes, now they, you need to go home. <laughs> oh, I mean, or you guys having dinner? Ask your mom what you're having for dinner because I want to know if it's good or not. We did that. If it was bad, we're like, actually my mom is calling on our non-existent cell phones back then. But, um, this is, this is the t- type of relationship that God wants with the church, with you and me. He wants to sit down as friends. I love that because he's mad. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you because he loves you. This is a, le- this is a love letter to the church that's indifferent. They did not deserve a second chance because they're like, ah, whatever. They're phony. They're fake. And Jesus gave them this second chance because he loves them. Verse 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and I sat down with my father on his throne. And then the very end is like every verse or every, every letter. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. See, the city of Laodicea, including the people that were part of this congregation, they thought they were well off. They had everything that they possibly wanted. They were the richest city of the seven. Of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, they were the richest city. They had three specific things that brought in money all the time, guaranteed, no matter what. Because everybody in the around the world at the time, they needed to go to Laodicea to pick up three things. But they were missing a major thing that every city needs, a water source. You know, I thought about that and even in Kamei. Why is there even a city in this location? I can tell you one reason. There's obviously the Nez Perce tribe, but why even here? Clearwater River. In fact, the original town site is literally right next to the river, right? They moved it a little bit after that, but you could go to the old town site right by the park, cross from it, and it's literally right by the river. Why would they, why would they do that? Why would they need a river water source? So when you have Laodicea going, look at what we have. We have amazing things. They go, but you don't have any water. So they got in their brilliant idea to pipe water from the nearest two cities. Okay? So the first thing they did was they actually, they built an aqueduct, aqueduct, whatever you want to call it. And here's um, literally two of them still in existence. And let me just read this picture I found. It says, Laodicea's cities water channeled through this dual pipeline, but it carried thick calcium impurities. Combined with its lukewarm temperature, it would make a visitor vomit. Now, that's a little preview of what Jesus is even saying. So I want you to think about this. The first pipe that they piped in was from a city, and the city was called uh, Hierapolis. And Hierapolis was famous for one thing, one thing only, hot springs. How many of us have ever been to a hot spring? Now, when we were kids, we used to go to this place. We did it about three times, and it smelled like rotten eggs or whatever. Whatever. It smelled like rotten eggs to me. It was a place called Soul Duct. It's over by Port, An- Port Angeles, that area, Forks and that kind of area. Soul Duct. And there's a, there's a couple of them around here you can go to. But Hierapolis was known for their really, really, really hot water. And they didn't have baths. So around the nation, around the world, People would go to Hierapolis to get a bath. So Laodicea had no water to their own. And so what they did was they had this brilliant idea. Let's pipe in 
hot water from Hierapolis to us. So they piped it in, and by the time that the hot water, it was boiling, felt good, you could take a bath in it, it was somewhat clean at first, but by the time it got to Laodicea City, the city limits, what happened to the water? It wasn't hot anymore, it was lukewarm, because it traveled. Also, when it traveled in those pipes, there was sediment, there was lime, there was horrible stuff that actually the water was undrinkable. It made you sick to when you drank it. So they said, we have lukewarm water, now we have to do something else. So they made a second one to another city, and the city is called Colossae. You guys ever heard of that city? We have a letter in the, in the New Testament to the book of, to the letter of Colossians. This is the letter that Paul, he planted a church in Colossae, this very city that's close to Laodicea. Laodicea. In fact, in Colossians, you have a reference to Laodicea, the letter that Paul wrote. He goes, you're going to have to get the letter that I wrote to Laodicea. I wish we could find that letter. I wish I had it to see what he said about to them. But they said, we need that water. Why? Because they were known for one thing. Colossae was known for one thing. Natural, ice cold, fresh, good for you, healthy, healing, ice cold water. So they have lukewarm water from this other city, and they're like, I need, I, I need, we need cold water. This is not good. So they make another pipe all the way to Colossae. Then when they started, when they got the thing going, by the time it got to Laodicea, I want to say Laodicea, whatever, go with it. By the time it got there, the cold water wasn't cold anymore. It was lukewarm. So Laodicea, that city right there, they were actually known as the lukewarm city. So, in fact, when people would travel to that town, they would say, hey, Dwayne, we need to make a trip over there, but warning, pack your own water. I've been to country, different countries where they say don't drink the water. Bring your own water. This is the same, okay? Because when you drank it, it made your stomach upset and you would get sick, vomit. Thus, when Jesus says, you make me want to vomit, he's saying something that they would understand 100%. Every one of these letters, you can do that. You can study the city history and what they were known for. And Jesus, who was a brilliant teacher, he uses what they would already know. And they go, oh, so when the, when the church is apathetic and just kind of uh, blasé, that makes you feel just like when we drink our own water. Mmm, lukewarm water. I love it. So let me give you a little quiz. And some of us would might ruin this. How many of us like hot coffee? Do you, do you, do you really like it like hot? Like you want to sip it. You don't want to gulp it, right? How many of us, and there's no wrong answer here. How many of us, we, we like even, the, especially in the summer, iced coffee? You like iced coffee? Me too. I do. When we go to Starbucks, there's a few times that we get iced coffee. Okay? Now, don't ruin this, but you can if you want to. How many of us prefer lukewarm coffee? Yeah, you would. I'll tell you what. Yesterday when I was practicing this sermon at home, I had this sermon in my room, and I put my notes on my bed, and I had my coffee right there, and I'm going to practice this, and I paused to take a sip. My coffee was lukewarm. And I went, this is disgusting. I can't even drink it. So what did I do? I finished my sermon. I went outside, or I went to the kitchen, and I nuked the coffee, which is a sin, but I needed it because I don't like, I don't like reheated coffee either, but I like it either hot or cold. That's fine. You can still go to heaven, but for the majority, I'll say 90%, my unscientific poll, most people would like it hot or cold. How many of us are tea drinkers? I'm drinking tea right there. How many of us like hot, hot tea? Okay, you like, she likes it lukewarm. She doesn't like too hot. I know that. How many of us like iced tea? How many of us always have some iced tea at hand? If Wade was here, he's working, but Wade always has iced tea. Guaranteed. 100% iced tea. How many of us like, except for Lydia, how many of us like lukewarm tea? This is tea. Lukewarm. I'm using it for an illustration purposes. Trust me. That's disgusting. The reality is most of us would want it hot or cold, iced. 
How about a hot tub? You like going to a hot tub? I would if I had one. Future Christmas presents, fine. There's a good, I have a spot that, I mean, we, we've, we will, we don't have the money for it, but I'm like, it would be a perfect spot in our backyard. Just, we would need to have a little fence around it, but I would enjoy it every single day and I'd be the one to clean it. Um, cause that's the excuse. Well, it would just get dirty. True. And get green and stuff like that. How many of us like an ice, how about, how about a nice pool, ice cold pool in the summertime or river? How many of us like a lukewarm bath? Why would we like that? See, the reality is, except for a few people who still can go to heaven, we like things hot, we like things cold. Most people don't like a lukewarm tub, okay? I guess another way of looking at this whole discussion about lukewarm and hot and cold business is, I want you to think about on a very hot day, 115 degrees, how many of us, I, I drink, I still drink hot coffee in the summertime. That's me. But how many of us, we desire something very iced during that time? You're like, give me my iced tea right now. And then you're like, oh, the ice is melted. Give me some more ice, more ice, more ice. If you're really hot, put ice in a big, huge bowl and put your feet in it. It will cool you off, guaranteed. If you don't have an air conditioner, that is the way to do it. Now, how about on a very, very, very cold day? How many of us like a nice hot drink on a very, really cold day? It's a habit almost, right? Of course. Hot chocolate, lukewarm chocolate, no. Ice chocolate, maybe, I don't know, I've never tried. But hot, 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 steaming. It makes you feel good. It's comfortable. When you're, when you're, if it's a hot day and you want iced tea, it's refreshing. When it comes to the church, how do we, how does the culture, how can they see that the Lord is good when we're indifferent? See, think about the scripture. It's in um, Psalm 34.8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. How will the world know that, that, the, that the Lord is a very good God if we're just kind of like, bleh? We need to be more like a hot drink on, an ice, on a really, really, really cold day. Nice. Oh, I want that. Does the culture want what you have? Does the culture want what we have? Do they look at your life and go, I don't know if I believe in this God yet, but there's something about him. There's something about her that there's something different that I so desire what that person has. I'm going for it. Or do they look at us and they go, oh, if it, if that's, if they're, if they're serving the God and that's how they are, I want no part of it. How is it that the culture can know that the Lord is good? Based on how they can do it? Based on what, who we are, the church. If we are like lukewarm water, here, come to the Lord. And use this as a metaphor. They come to the Lord, they come to church, and they, they, they drink what we have, okay? And it's just Luke. I don't want it. Don't want it. But if we, our lives do what Jesus is saying in this letter, they go, ah, I have a hard time believing. This world is crazy. I don't know if I believe in the God yet. But man, there's something about them. There's something about them that it's real. This is not phony because trust me, the culture, when it comes to the church and especially the church, they don't like phony. They hate it. Makes them sick. Makes them want to vomit if you want to use the same language there. And how did, well, they know that they'll taste and see that the Lord is good based on how we are. Do we offer hope to the culture? Are we like an iced tea on a very, very hot day? Are we like a nice, nice steaming hot cup of coffee on a very cold day? It's like, I'm telling you, when it's cold, I don't care what, where, what I'm doing, what time it is, I, I need the coffee. Yeah. If I'm watching a movie and someone's drinking coffee, I pause the movie and I go make coffee. It's a true story. Every time. It's like, 
my mind. I mean, I want, I want, as silly as that sounds, I want that to be, I mean, look, I don't, my goal is not to please the culture. That is not my goal. My goal is that they would see how good God is. But before they get to God, guess who they're going to see first? Us. And if we're like Laodicea, we're just kind of blasé. They don't want that. They have that. They have, uh, this world is, uh, this world is whatever, whatever. Like, hey, how you doing? Oh, living the dream. That's what's always said every day, right? Have you heard that? Living the dream. This is doing great. Uh, uh, only 20 more years till retirement. I'm counting down the hours, right? We need to, we need to take a heart check because the only, one of the only avenues that they'll get to God is through us. Why? Because we are ambassadors from God to this world. So when Jesus sees the church in Laodicea, he sees three things, which would make me happy. They're poor, say poor. Blind, say blind. Naked, say naked. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. No, we're not. We have everything we wanted. Listen. Laodicea, Laodicea was known as the richest city. They had the biggest bank of the seven cities. They had the biggest gold mine that they had in the ancient world. They had almost unlimited access to gold. So if you from a different city needed to get gold, you would go to the city. So they had, they were wealthy. They said, look at the gold I have. Jesus goes, you're poor. Go buy gold from me. But I have gold. That gold is worth nothing in the kingdom of God. In fact, that gold right there, our roads are paved with that. Your feet are going to walk on that gold. Buy gold from me. Buy gold from me. Also, Laodicea was known as they had the biggest and best medical care in Asia Minor. People traveled all the way over there. You know what their specialty was? Eye ointment. In fact, the eye ointment was a miracle cure almost. People who were almost blind would put that stuff over their eye. It would cure them. Why can't we have that now? Help. They, they had this pure eye ointment and people, they, 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 they bragged. Look at this. How much money would a blind, blind, a person that's going blind buy for that? The money's pouring in. So he said, we have this eye ointment. He goes, I don't care. You're still blind. That eye ointment is not helping in your relationship with God. So buy ointment from me so that you'll be able to see. Also, Laodicea was known as the best. They had the best fields. They had the best clothing. They couldn't just go to Walmart and get a cheap shirt. How many of us, you don't care about your clothing? You just need the cheapest shirt. It doesn't matter. Just put the, I don't care what it is. How many of us have clothing that's 20 years old in your closet? Yup, we're good. You know, I don't, I don't care if they've got holes right here in the neck. I still have some. Don't get rid of them. <laughs> I'll still wear them around the house. Even if they're oil rags, I'll still wear them. Okay? But they were known as the wealthiest city because they had the best quality clothing. And so if you want the best clothing, you go to Laodicea, and they go, Jesus goes, I don't care if you're clothed, you have the finest clothing, you have the best quality pants, and you have the best suit on, you're still naked. No, I'm not. You're naked. No, I'm not. You're naked. So when Jesus says, you're poor, blind, and naked, they had all of that. He goes, you're missing the point. Just because you have the best, you have the best ointment, and you have the best clothing, and you have all the gold in the world, and you have the biggest bank, it doesn't mean that you have all that in your heart. You're poor, you're blind, and you're buck naked. You're naked. So how in the world do we buy it from him? I don't have enough money. Anybody here have enough money? How do you buy something from God who has everything in the world? Well, Isaiah, which Isaiah has a lot to say about these letters, by the way. It's, it's fascinating. But Isaiah 55, verse 1. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Really. 
Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Here we go. In God's economy, the stuff that you need, that you really need, not the stuff that you think you need, the stuff that you really need from God, you can get it from God. He already paid the price. You simply have to run to him, almost like a beggar at the feet of Jesus going, I don't have anything. Do you have what I need? And he goes, yes, of course I do. You come to him, even if you have no money. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. It costs Jesus his life, but it costs us faith that what he has is exactly what I need. I don't need what the world offers. We stress over worldly stuff. We stress over money. I, I, we all do. We lose sleep over it. We lose health because of it. Marriages fall apart because of it. Right? The number one reason for divorce? Finances. The reality is we need to have proper perspective of what we really need. And what we need is exactly what God has. And we need to have, it costs us faith. I trust that God has exactly what I need, so I'm going to go to him for it. And if he doesn't provide all this, if he doesn't provide this and that and the other thing, so be it. I can be blessed by God and still be broke. Okay? Does he provide financially? Oftentimes. Okay? Being poor doesn't make you more holy, by the way. But being rich in finances doesn't make you more holy. It, it, that's not the point. The point is, are we rich in God? So there's two things we're going to talk about and we'll be done. The first thing is spiritual wealth. Spiritual wealth, Revelation 3.18, it said, buy gold from me, gold that's been purified by fire, then you'll be rich. He's not talking about material wealth there because Laodicea had money. They didn't need any more. They were, they, they, it's like they had a pool full of coins, gold coins. When I was a kid, I used to watch this kid from the 80s. It was DuckTales. They used to, the Scrooge McDuck jumped into the pool of gold, which you could not do. You'd get hurt. But he swam in that pool of gold, right? Like they had that. But he said, you don't, you need gold from me. It's been purified. It's pure. And then you're going to be really rich. What Jesus is talking about, he's talking about lighting the fire again. How do we do that? Well, we take our mind off worldly things and we keep our eyes fixed on him. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and, and spiritual things, things that last for all eternity. Those material things we lose sleep over. But you can't take it with you, as the old saying says. But you take all those spiritual things that you gain you take them with you for all eternity. We need to focus on what really matters. See, we need to say, Jesus, can we just start over? Jesus, can we just start over? Lord, light the fire again. Restart the relationship. Number two, not only spiritual wealth, but spiritual health. Do we believe in healing in this church? Yes. Do we believe that everyone gets healed? No. For every time I've seen someone healed, I've seen someone that wasn't healed and died or gotten worse. Okay? So I'm not going to say just have enough faith and no matter what, God has to heal you. That's not, do I believe that he has the power? Of course. Of course. Do I pray for healing over people who have cancer and that kind of thing? Of course. I've been doing that for days now. I'm not going to give up on those prayers. But when it comes to spiritual health, there's something that's more important than just our physical health. Because ultimately, no matter what I do, this body's going to die. No matter what I do or hope or wish or pray, this body's going to fail. I don't know if you noticed if your body is not as good as it used to be, right? I, I, just to say, just a thought. How many of us, we still feel like we're 20? Yep, good for you. Some of us are like, I feel really good right now. How many of us feel like a teenager? <sighs> Man, my back hurts and I've just been laying in bed. What's my problem, right? Spiritual health. Jesus says in verse 18, continuing that verse, you need to buy ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. What's more important? 
being super 100% healthy in your physical body, which I would say pray for, of course. Or being able to see what God's at work at doing. Me, honestly, I can feel really good in my, my physical body, but if I can't see where God's at work, if I'm blind to him, what's the point? If I'm completely blind. He, that's why he says, buy ointment from me and you'll be able to see. Some people are so blind to what God really has. They can't see him in front of you. Look, look at, we got two more verses, we'll be done. Jeremiah 5.21. I like to throw in some of the Bible that we haven't read in a while. Listen, you foolish and senseless people with eyes that do not see and ears do not hear, that do not hear. There's two things right here. People cannot hear what God's saying. People cannot see what God's doing. Why? Because they're blind. They're deaf. They can hear and they can see fine physically. But they can't hear him, what he's saying. It's very dangerous. How can you have a relationship with a, a God who you cannot hear or you cannot see who is at, what he's doing? You can't. That's why in verse 20, and this is where we're going to end it, he's inviting you to stop being indifferent. Now is the time to stop being indifferent. Now is the time to walk through, let Jesus, see, he's been talking about doors. And now he's going to conclude this series with another door. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If any of you hear my voice and you open the door, why? How do you hear God's voice? You got to be able, you can't be deaf. How can you see Jesus? You have to not be blind. How do you get that? You have to get the salve and the ointment from Jesus. You can't trust on your own goodness. If you hear me and see me, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. So as we close in prayer, if you need, if you need to come to Jesus moment, literally, now's the time. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow might not be there. Don't wait. Now. Lord Jesus, thank you for these letters. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for the encouragement, the challenge. Lord, I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to be apathetic. I don't want to be blase. I don't want to just kind of be lukewarm and ride the fence. I want to, I want you to light the fire within me again. Lord, light the fire in me again. And you use this image of gold, ointment, and clothing because we come to you with, if we come to you without those things, we're just ourselves and we're blind, poor, and naked. And we need to be clothed with your righteousness. We need your ointment so we can see you. We need to be able to hear you. And we need that gold, that Jesus that you are, you have that you're, you're that valuable person that when we get to heaven, earthly gold will do us no good. But you, that relationship that we have with you is enough. You said it's finished. You've done it all. So we receive today what we need to have to have that eternal relationship with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.